Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by CoachMe Plus. CoachMe Plus is the leader in athlete management software and a product that we've been lucky enough to implement here for over two years now. The product in and of itself is exactly what you need it to be, guys, with options ranging from being a workout provider, as in sending the workout directly to the student-athlete's phones, to being a place where you can communicate with them and bring together multiple streams of data to be its own dashboard for you, your coaching staff, or the athletes. Or you can use what we've added to our, our menu of Coach Me Plus activities, and that's Hydration Station, where all of this information that is provided is based off of research from the Corey Stringer Institute, where we're looking at weighing in versus weighing out and then providing optimal hydration uh, strategies for the student-athletes by them selecting through the menu and tapping on what they'll take home with them and what they're consuming prior to the next practice um, when all the numbers at the top are lined up green. It's something we've had really good success with and the kids have really bought in on. Just another great example of the awesome product that you can find at coachmeplus.com. Guys, hop over to coachmeplus.com today and check it out. It's a product I guarantee you won't be disappointed with. Hey, everybody. If you enjoy the podcast and the content it provides, be sure to hop over and check out the community. The community is an exclusive members website that is just an extension of what we do here in July at the Central Virginia Sport Performance Seminar. What it is is a combination of video lectures, a coach's corner with your Monday morning take-home information, and a forum where you can talk about anything and everything related to the field of strength and conditioning. In the community, you'll find content added each month from some of the top practitioners in the world, ranging from PhDs to high-level coaches, bringing you exactly what they're doing with their athletes or their research at the present moment. On top of that, an additional discussion by coaches bringing you that Monday morning information, things that you can add to your training program right away. Tying that in with the opportunity to discuss with coaches around the world in the forum on anything and everything from the topics addressed in these presentations to whatever you're seeing in your daily life as a coach. If this sounds like the right thing for you and your staff, go ahead and hop over to cvasps.com community and try it out for 48 hours for just a dollar. If you like it, you're signed up, ready to roll, and you're jumping into all the great content added each month. If not, feel free to go ahead and cancel at any time. No questions asked. We're really excited about what we're building in the community and hope you are too. Go ahead and hop over to cvasps.com community and check it out today. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Today, guys, I have the absolute pleasure of being able to sit down and talk training with no other than Martin Bingeser. After we get a quick intro, Martin shares with us his latest project, which is training rugby players. Uh, we start out going through the role he has with the club and some unique challenges he has with it and how those challenges tie back to his work with Bonderchuk and how some of what we would call Anatoly's stuff really fits well and where there are some challenges um, to implement his methods in that environment. Uh, we then get into how the idea of injury prevention uh, and reduction is so important in team sports and what role that plays in his development of those athletes. He then flips the script a little bit and talks about how the work in rugby is impacting him in the circle, training his throwers. And then we finish off talking about his book and everything he's doing with Hammer Media um, when it comes to content, podcasts, and all of this, all of that stuff, and what the podcast has done 
to challenge him to be a better coach and the changes that he has made as a coach and an interviewer as he's developed. Guys, this is really, really an awesome talk. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Let's get right to it. Martin, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today, man. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, it's always a pleasure and uh, love your podcast, love your, your conference stuff you're doing there. So you're helping get the word out, helping coaches get better. I appreciate that, man. That means a lot coming from you because you're, you're one that's been on the list for as long as we've had the list. Uh, <laughs> if people think that this is easy scheduling these things, especially when you're on literally different hemispheres of the planet, they, they've got another thing coming. But for the the three quarters of a human being who don't know who Martin is, let's give them the the Spark Notes version of where you're at and what you're doing, buddy, and, and what you're building out there. So the the Spark Notes version is I'm a hammer throw coach. Um, first and foremost, I'm the Swiss national coach in the hammer throw. Uh, it was a hammer throw myself back in uh, in the states, University of Washington. I was two time All American, um, dual citizen with U.S. and Switzerland. So I've competed on the Swiss national team for a long time and was eight time national champion in the hammer here. And I've just kept kept going as national coach. Uh, I coach for club over here. Um, gotten into SNC in the past several years. Um, I'm also the strength conditioning coach for uh, amateur rugby club over here, and just kind of as a fun little side project. Um, but people out there, if they've run across my name, they probably know more my website, Hammer Media. That's spelled strange, so HMMR Media. We've got a, a couple podcasts on there, uh, one with me and Nick Garcia, one with Vern Gambetta. A lot of articles contributed from, I think we've got 20 different authors now contributing stuff. So we're trying to do some of the same stuff you are, create a conversation around training, help coaches get a bit better, and, um, yeah, share some knowledge. Yeah, and, you know, the big thing when people talk about Martin – is they usually think of the throwing, but the rugby stuff is really interesting to me and because that, that's quite different. Let's talk about what you're doing with the rugby club, how that got started, um, and let's let's run it from that angle. Yeah, I'm actually doing very very little at the at the moment. It's it's a volunteer position. I started it just to get a bit of experience in the sport. Uh, a couple of years ago, a couple of rugby clubs in England asked me to come up and do some presentations along with Nick Garcia, and so we. We started to do a little bit of consulting and then open a discussion within the sport of rugby, but I felt a bit silly going in there and, and talking to these sports when I've never actually played rugby and you know barely seen much of it on TV. So I started volunteering at the local club. The, the level is, I mean, they train twice a week. It's not a high level, but it gives me a chance to really you know, experience firsthand you know, what's the sport about, what are the rules, how is it played. And more importantly, you know, some of the, the different demands from track and field. The track and field, we, it's a very individual sport. I work with, you know, three or four athletes at a time. It's quite simple to create an individualized training plan. Even within the training, I can have everyone doing a bit of different things to meet their needs. But, you know, in a team sport, you have to make compromises. You know, out there, we typically have 40 to 50 athletes with one to two coaches. So you're, you're dealing with organizational aspects. You're dealing with, um, you know, a lot of those different things. We don't have any equipment out there. So um, it's kind of, you can talk about the theory all you want, but until you actually get your hands dirty, and, and you know this all the time working with mm-hmm. teams coming in and out of your gym, until you get your hands dirty, that's where you get the real experience and you learn, okay, well, in theory, this might be really good, but in practicality, uh, it just doesn't work. So as a guy who's been very well known and versed in what Dr. Bondarchuk has done. How, A, big of a shock factor was that? And then B, how has your work with Anatoly 
helped with that shock factor and being able to be more precise with what you're doing? I mean, obviously, they're like with, as I mentioned, in track and field, it's much easier to, to create an individualized plan. But also, you just have one cook in the kitchen. Like when I'm coaching my athlete, I'm the technical coach, I'm the strength coach, I'm the tactical coach, I'm, you know, I'm the everything coach, I'm the sports psychologist. I'm, there's, there's one person doing stuff, and it's me. So if I want to have a plan, and with Bondarchuk, it's, it's really important for him to try and you know, minimize the variables and really centralize the focus of what you're doing. Uh, that's quite easy if you're one coach, but if you have to deal with several coaches or you know lots of athletes, it's really hard to do that. So that that was kind of a, a one of the wake up calls. I think it's much more difficult than if you want to repeat like a common Bonner truck approaches. We'll we'll take the same program and repeat it every day. That's just not practical in, in a team setting where, especially in a dynamic sport, where you're just you know even if you run the same play, the athletes are doing something different because the defense is going to break one way or another, um, and so on. So that that was the real. I knew that going into it, but just seeing it really emphasized that point for me. But on the other hand, a lot of the concepts are still applicable, and the main thing is just focusing on what's going to work for your athletes. You know, trying to find transfer, really dissecting the sport down, breaking it down to see, okay, where what's what's the difference maker. And in that regard, it's not a huge difference from throwing because in rugby, you know, the, the strongest guy is not always the best guy. And the same in hammer throwing, the strongest guy is not always the best guy. So it's always a search for, well, what is the difference maker then? What is going to make someone better? Um, and that's, that's the fun part. That's what, we, that's what we coach for. Yeah. So is there anything that you've seen like KPI-wise that's, that's shown up with the rugby guys? I mean, this is simple, but just staying healthy and on the pitch is the main thing. Um, if, you, if you're injured, you're not going to get better. And, and that sounds simple. It's you know not always as simple to, to put into practice. But if you can keep your guys healthy, um, not only do they play more, but then that play is cumulative. So the more they play, the more specific work they get done, the more specific work capacity they develop, the more specific strength they develop, the more tactical sense they develop. So um, you know that's the one thing that's the killer, I think, you know, if your athletes get injured, it's it's not just one step back; it's two, three steps back. Um, you know, and, and a lot of times that can come from overloading the athletes or, or putting too much emphasis on max strength. And um, you know, I think max strength is not; it, it plays a role. It definitely plays a role in every sport, but it's not that difficult to to get, um, especially over the long term. If you have a, a very balanced long term plan, you're going to get your athletes strong. Um, it's consistency that's the key. So if we try and throw too much at athletes at one time, that's when we run into more issues. And you know, you put athletes in a fatigue state after a long training, they hit one position wrong, and something, something can bust. So, yeah, that's interesting though. It, it, it it's how it just keeps coming back. You know, and and it's kind of funny because most of the people that we've been lucky to associate with are people in athletics, and they keep bringing up the same ideas is that the whole idea of a high performance model is called track and that the biggest key to everything is that you need to stay healthy and let them take care of all that they do. Yeah. And I, I don't think it's necessarily about having an injury prevention program either, because you hear that term thrown around a lot. I think if you just have a balanced, consistent approach, that's normally enough to, to prevent injuries. So it's not like something special people need to do. It's just being aware of, 
you know, and some of uh, Tim Gabbett's work talk about this, about, you know, just, you know, sudden changes that can be an injury risk. Um, but I, I think it's even broader than that. Just, you know, having common sense in your training, um, knowing how that fits into the puzzle, knowing how that fits into the training week, into the training month and, and having a long-term picture of where you're going, that's going to help prevent injuries. And you, you know, it's not a rugby thing. It's not a track thing. You hear all the time, distance runners, they have a huge breakthrough in the marathon. You ask them, well, what was the difference? Well, they, they got to train 12 months without injury. Every other time they had stress fractures or something like that. And how'd they get there? You know, they had a very slow buildup. It's not like they tried to just jump right in after the injury and um, go 100%. They slowly built up. They stayed injury-free and they, they had a breakthrough. So it's not rocket science a lot of the times. Yeah. Imagine or most that. of the time it's not. <laughs> yeah, imagine that, right? If, you can, if they can practice their sport, they'll get better at their sport. Exactly. But we can't tell everyone that because then they don't need to pay us the big bucks. So. Yeah. yeah, the novel ideas are what make us <laughs> millions in coaching, right? Exactly. So if we were to flip that, though, you know, with this unique experience with the rugby club, with the minimal uh, resources that you have, what impact has that had on you as a throws coach? Mostly on the, the organizational side. Uh, I, I've become a lot better in organizing my trainings. Um, just, you know, showing up, we, we tip, we always have a, a plan going into the training session, but trying to make it a little bit tighter, a little bit more focused. Uh, we have very limited time on the rugby. So I, I've got, you know, I'll, I'll, I'm only there probably twice a month. And between that, I have some circuits and stuff they'll use when I'm not there, some things they can integrate on their own. But when I'm there, we want a real intense conditioning focus, yeah, we got 30, 45 minutes of the whole session where we're doing that. So it's really uh, been one more chance for me to hone in on, okay, what are we trying to accomplish? Um, how are we doing that? And how much you know, time is that going to take? Really have a better script going into training. I think that's benefited me in the track world. Um, as I said, I organized before, but it just it's always good to have a take a fresh set of eyes towards things. And as I'm going through rugby again and seeing, okay, what do we need in there? What do we need out of there? It's helped me reanalyze things on the track side as far as, Oh, I ha always have it in there because that's been in there. Do I really need it? Or maybe there's something else that I've been forgetting for a couple of years and um, have done it. And also working with big groups, I get a, a good impact, a good feedback on hey, what did people like and what didn't people like. So I might try something and think, eh, um, that's probably not going to be that effective, but there might be a huge buy-in from the team. Um, they really love that, that type of exercise. And then that, that gives me some hint. Okay, maybe I should try this with my throwers too. I mean, specific work is obviously going to be very different for hammer throw versus rugby, but that's only one piece of the pie, and a big piece is also the general work. So there's a lot of crossover there in, in what type of exercises we're doing, especially in the warm-ups and the, just kind of the robustness training. That's awesome. So you want to dive down that rabbit hole a little bit? What, what are you seeing that's, you know, because you talked about what they liked, and I think that that's an interesting thing to bring up because I think more often than not, Coaches like to take the approach of like, like your parents did when you were trying to get out of dinner, right? It's like, you can't get up until you finish your vegetables. Like, this is the training and you're going to do it whether you like it or not. So giving them that autonomy, are there things that you've seen that have crossed over that have had a positive psychological effect in them liking it and a positive physiological effect in the adaptation? Yeah, I mean, a lot of it, I'm not really letting the athletes decide, but I do let their feedback dictate how 
it will be going forward. So I have a plan coming in. I'm not going to throw it out the window that day uh, unless we have time constraints or something like that. But I, I long term, especially with rugby, as I said, we just train two days a week. And I don't want people to like I don't want that to be the session they dread. You know, I don't want them to be coming and seeing me there and say, oh, you know, I should have not come to training because we want to get these guys in the mindset that they want to train more and, and do that extra bit. And so if we can make it fun and if we make running fun instead of a punishment, then that's that's all the better because they're going to uh, get more out of it and also hopefully do some more of that in their free time uh, because we just we can't do everything in the time we have. So if, if I see that athletes are liking it a lot, I'll I'll put it in. And with a lot of stuff, like the example I often use with the hammer throw is, you know, what's the transfer between back squat versus front squat? Like they're both probably going to help to throw about the same. And if one of my athletes really loves the front squat, then that's front squat. Like I'm, I'm not going to pick a fight over that. Now, if they want a bench press versus back squat, I'll put my foot down because I don't think the bench press really helps the hammer throw. Uh, it's not, we're not, using our upper body in a pressing motion in the, in the hammer. And we're, we're barely using the upper body other than holding onto the hammer. So it, there, there are boundaries to, to what you can do, but are uh, to where you get the feedback. But for me, it's in so many things we do in the general area, it's about getting movement variety. It's about uh, developing just general explosiveness and athleticism. And, you know, if, if you're choosing between jump variations or squad variations or things like that, you, you're really talking negligible uh, physiological differences on adaptations. So, you know, why not get their input? And if they really like doing one, go for it. Yeah, no doubt, man, no doubt. And I think that uh, that's interesting because that's something that we've, you know, knock wood, had, had some success with where it's, you know, actually listening to them um, matters. You know, people like to talk about relationships and, you know, that the, the people you work with, you know, the, the athletes you work with are people first, but it's like but when you talk to them, you don't listen to what they're telling you and you don't, you know, take that feedback, per, you know, for what it is. And that might be the most important part of your program. Yeah, exactly. And, they, and you know, even Bonnerchuk was that way. Obviously, he had, you know, 50 years of experience coaching. He's coached Olympic gold medalists and such. And, you know, a couple of times I'd ask him, hey, you know, why don't we sprint in our program? Can I put some sprints in there? And he's like, yeah, I don't think it'll work, but go ahead and try it. And, you know, it, it didn't have a huge transfer, but you, you learn from it. And if, you're, if you want to try something, he's open to it. It's not really going to harm in most instances. I think that's where we need to, to draw the line as coaches. Is it is something that the athlete recommends going to harm? Is it going to be contra um, productive to, to something else we're doing? Or is it just going to be a complete waste of time? Um, but on other stuff, I think we need to be a little bit flexible. And um, the more the athletes, I think, feel they have a say – I mean, this is cultural dependent and also age dependent, but the more the athletes have, feel they have a say and the more they do actually have a say, then the more they're going to adhere to the program, the more they're going to get out of it, the less they're going to uh, cut corners and the more they're just going to think it's going to work. So that's, okay. um, that's been a big problem that one of the areas I focused on the most over the last couple of years, real influenced there by John Kiley and, and some of the presentations and stuff I've done with him is just looking at beyond Especially when we talk about periodization, we always fixate on the numbers. But little things like this, I think, can make or break a program. Uh, if you get those things right, uh, the X's and O's matter a lot less. Yeah, because, again, if they're not consistent with it, then you're not going to get out of it what you need it anyway. Yeah. So I think the next thing that I really need to talk about with you is this little thing that you just put together and have on your website right now. 
um, putting together our book right now too. I know what kind of work that is. So let's talk about the motivation behind it. Where did that come from? What are people looking at when you're when they're going to pick this up? Yeah. So the when I I started I started my blog eleven years ago, mm-hmm. and and I turned that into Hammer Media. I want to say in 2012 or 13. And and the reason media is in the name is because I always it wasn't just a blog. I wanted to do some other stuff. I wanted to publish books. I wanted to just get get coaching education from every angle. And we got the podcast there now. Um, I did a book a couple of years ago on, on hammer throw and that was the first venture just to really try out, okay, how does this whole process work? I, I learned a lot from it, but that's still an area we want to do a lot more. In, and this is uh, the next book is coming out now. Uh, it's available for pre-order on our site, depending on when this goes up it might actually be, uh, published. So it's with the printer right now it should be available in early June, uh, early July, but it's called the training talk conversation with a dozen master coaches. You know, through the website, I've had a, a chance to really sit down just like you have with a lot of great coaches, pick their minds, and we put 12 of those interviews together into a book. Uh, so we got some, you know, Bonner Chuck's one name you mentioned, Vern Gambetta, Dan Pfaff, um, John Pryor, Franz Bosch, um, you know, a lot of these coaches top in the world of track and field, top in the world of rugby, football, uh, soccer. Uh, so we got some some big names there and also trying to draw some common themes together from them. So not just saying here's the interview, but you know, what are some of the key takeaways from them? What do they have in common? What are they different in? And, and try and help coaches connect those dots. But uh, it was a fun project because a lot of these interviews I'd done six, seven years ago. So for me, going back and reading them again was interesting. Um, I can tell by my questions how I've evolved as a coach. Um, but it, it's, yeah, I think it's a good chance just to see all those coaches laid out together because we often are, are really learning piecemeal online. We have, you know, one article we're reading there, one article we're reading there, but to sit down and put them together. And I hope when the coaches read them together, it sparks some ideas on, you know, there are different ways to roam. Um, there's some, really some common elements in all of them, but there are different ways to get there and coach world record holders, coach gold medalists. Oh yeah. And that, the list is killer. And I'm really excited to get, get my hands on it myself. What I'm really interested, though, to ask you now, since you brought that up, is how did your questions change? Like, how did all of this work that Martin's been doing when it comes to putting out awesome content and trying to help coaches get better, how has that driven your thought process in a different direction from, you know, the 20 early teens to the 20 late teens? The same point I was just saying a little while ago, focusing on those factors like, you know, building a team culture, building buy-in, uh, getting athlete feedback, uh, you know, those are the things I think have really taken on uh, a new meaning for me. And John Kiley, who, who he has the longest interview in there, we, we finish up the book with that one, but we really focus on a lot of those things. So at the start, I think my, my questions were a lot along the lines of, okay, well, how many weeks do your athletes take off in the, in the off season? You know, how much percentage of this work do you do versus that work? And slowly over time, they're, they're taking a step back to see, okay, well, what's the driving philosophy behind your training you know because you're making 20 decisions a day is there a common theme that's pushing that forward and then looking at the cultural aspects so there's a bit of those questions all along but i think they 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 transitioned over the the course of the time so then how have those discussions and decisions you know when it came to changing the the direction of your questions how has that impacted you as a coach and a manager it's yeah, I mean, the, the more 
I was doing a presentation at, at Vern's conference last week, and I was totaling up all the interviews I'd done because I've got two podcasts and the website. We also do a ton of written interviews. And over the last six, seven years, I've done 160 interviews. And so I think more is just it's a chance to really get new perspectives. And you know, I, I can't say I learned something. All right, I, I can't say I changed something in my training from every interview. But um, you know, who knows when you come across a new situation? You remember back to when you were talking with with Joe, and he was saying that he did this in that situation, and then it, it sparked an idea. So I, I think I'm not sure if that's really answering your question, but no, I think exposing yourself to those new ideas is good. And for me, more than anything in my learning process, it's having a structure to do that because I think. It, you can probably attest to this too. I've got you know two hours set aside a week to do podcasts, and I, I put up an episode a week. So that that deadline there forces me to reach out and and contact people and get in touch with them. Whereas otherwise, you know, I'm busy, you're busy, we're all busy. It's easy to put off until the next week. So mm-hmm. it really forces you to have those conversations and um, get out there and expose yourself. You know, oh, on the flip yeah. side, it, it's really easy to kind of fall into. Kind of confirmation bias, like ask the questions you uh, you're interested in. You know, ask them in a way that you're going to get the answer that's just going to reinforce what you do. So that's probably the biggest struggle I have is trying to figure out, especially when I'm doing interviews, just trying to figure out how to bring on contrary viewpoints, bring on people I might not really agree with, but um, you know, see see if we can have that discussion and make everyone better. Oh yeah, it's hard at times to ask questions to stay neutral. Yeah. Like, I don't think people understand, like, how challenging that can be at times because you want to sit there and be like, oh, he's going this direction. Well, this can make me look good. And it's to fight that is is really challenging. Yeah. And I, I mean, for one example is with Bonnerchuk, I'm really influenced by a specific strength. So almost every conversation, I, I tend to turn a little bit towards specific strength. But, you know, I found in one of the interviews, you know, like the if you took a step back, our philosophies did not align at all. I'm coming at it from a more specific angle. They're coming at it from a more general angle. And I'm really trying to get their model to fit onto mine. And it's like, just you know, at a certain point, you have to give up and say, hey, these are these are different models. They both worked, but um, you can only tr- try so hard to put a round peg in a, in a square hole. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. But that's I'm our sure tendency. We want, we want to make it fit. We want to try everything to make it fit. Oh, yeah, no doubt. And, I, well, what I think, too, is interesting is when you, when you actually, I mean, like a guy like you that really understands what Dr. B has talked about and taught and how he handled his athletes, like his model is one that really does. His is one of the very few when you look at that group of former Eastern European high-level coaches that can actually fit in almost every sport. Yeah. And it's that I think is really cool. Yeah, and that's probably the most fun I've had. You're asking what I was learning from rugby is I know it can fit in most sports, but I have to actually do the work and make it fit. And, you know, a lot of the work is, you know, he has his exercise classification that people always talk about, and he'll split things into four categories. But what I think a lot of people miss is that it's um, it's not a matter necessarily of one category is better than the other. It's a matter of knowing where things are and knowing the lay of the land. So you take that that framework, I think, pyramid kind of makes it seem like there's the priorities there i call it more of a framework and you can lay it on any sport and then you can take a look and see okay how much work are we doing in each area obviously if you're only playing rugby you're doing very specific work specific work transfers but you're going to get injured too you need to have a balance you need to have a bit of everything and you know hammer throwers we throw a lot but we also squat we also we squat every day 
Um, you know, we'll do a very general warm up. We're doing, we're ticking every box, but being able to apply that framework, that can be applied to any sport. And that's the, the interesting part of seeing, you know, how, how those elements play. And then that, I think that helps you focus your training and better uh, guide it going forward. No, a hundred percent. Well, let me, let me get you out of here on this, Martin, because this is fantastic. What's next? You know, you just, you're publishing a book that'll be out for about five days after this or before this comes out. So there'll be all the info there. So if you're listening to this, pause, go <laughs> order the book and come back. Okay, we're back. Thank you for ordering the book. Now, what's next? Because you've got, you do, you've got all this stuff. You've got a, an awesome site with great content and multiple forms of media coming out to help coaches get better and a book and your coaching. So when are you sleeping? And then what are you doing next, brother? Like, we got to know. Well, that's not all. Cause I mean, my coaching is not my job. So my job, I, I work as a lawyer. So that's, uh, this is all just my, my hobby for the most part, but, um, you know, long-term I want to get more into coaching. Uh, unfortunately I, I'm living in Switzerland here and, and coaching is not really a profession unless you're, you're in soccer or you're in hockey. So I'm trying to find some ways to, to generate some more coaching opportunities over here, paid coaching opportunities, not just the volunteer stuff I've been doing. So that, that's one of the main goals. And part of that is, is continuing to grow the site. I've got a couple of projects. If this thing works out with um, the current book I'm doing, if there's a lot of interest, we're going to do a, a throw specific one along the lines, combine a lot of the throws interviews we've done. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't, if you ask me what my five-year plan is, I, I don't have one because if you asked me five years ago, I wouldn't be saying <laughs> anything where I am now. Uh, my, my goals are more short-term, like uh, keep on keeping on, um, keep on talking to people, keep on meeting people. You know, if something comes up tomorrow, I'll jump at it. But if it takes two years for the right opportunity to arrive, um, then that'll come. But in the meantime, I'm just hoping to make myself, uh, yeah, a better coach, learn more, meet more people, get more experience on the ground, uh, get my athletes I have now better. Um, you know, we've got a real successful group in Switzerland, by far the, the best throws group here, but I want to make uh, more of an international impact on the throw scene. Uh, and it's, it's really starting grassroots, but we're slowly working there. So, yeah, I don't really have a, a set agenda, but uh, that, that's what we're working on. And, you know, if you, as you mentioned, check out the site, hmmrmedia.com, you can pre-order the book on the front page but we've got a ton of other resources there we want to do some more videos over the next um next six months and grow that part of the site um you know i think we're still doing a lot of published articles but i think you can probably attest to this too but the demand i think from coaches is more on the audio side on the visual side um over the last year or two so we want to meet coaches where they like to learn so that's mm -hmm. another area we're focusing on oh yeah and we're gonna have a link to all that below and if you guys aren't subscribing to his podcast, too, like, you're missing out. Martin, I can't thank you enough for spending the time with us today, man. This is fantastic stuff, and you are, man. You, you're killing it out there. And I can't thank you enough for making all of us better and really driving the profession forward and, and you know, it, doing it so openly and really, like, absolutely with, with no personal bias and no personal agenda just this is what these other people are doing this is how they can help you shut up and listen and you'll actually learn something and I, it's that stuff is, is worth its weight in gold and I, I can't thank you enough for it man you you're a real 
a real asset to the profession. So thank you. You too, man. Thanks for inviting me on. Thanks for giving me this platform. And uh, I hope to get out to Virginia someday, meet up with you in person. You were one of the first people that brought Bonachuk out there. So um, you're also doing everything you were saying about me. It can, uh, this is going to get into a <laughs> mutual admiration party. But thank you very much for the work you're doing. Cheers, man. I appreciate it. We'll be in touch real soon, buddy. Thank you. Thank you. And a huge thanks to Martin Bingeser for sitting down and uh, chatting with us today. Guys, open, honest, candid sharing, and a guy that's putting out awesome content, really driving the profession from the front. I can't thank Martin enough for being here. Do me a favor. Get over there and check out hmmrmedia.com. That's hmmrmedia.com. And make sure you check out the book, guys. There's a link in the notes. I cannot recommend it enough. You know, what he's learned from a dozen master coaches and what he's taken from some of the best of the best. It's, it's really fantastic stuff. And as always, guys, thank you for everything that you do for us here at Central Virginia Sport Performance. We will be back next week with another awesome guest. We will see you then.